And welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Just kidding. It's under the radar. Under the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast umbrella. So <laughs> we still got to work on this. For those of you who are listening uh, for free on iTunes, um, I don't think we're on Stitcher, but I'm almost positive Spotify. Welcome to our show. Welcome we to our show. This. Welcome yeah. to our show. You might recognize uh, the voice that just popped up as, uh, as the guy from MLB Now. Um, or the guy who's been on Bull, both of them, Mr. Ian Khan. Hello, my friends. It's a real pleasure to be here. This is my most fun uh, business of the week that I do, and delighted that we're going to open it up to a wider audience. It's uh, we really have a good time, and we get to I get to work with the, two of the best voices in the business. Period. Nando Defino and Derek Van Riper. Well, just go ahead, Derek. You were introduced. Uh, Ian just stole all the thunder. Sorry, Sorry pal. Top of the Gibraltar to both of you. Hey, <laughs> it's Chibata. I do know this now. Well, for our new listeners, they should understand because uh, the Chibata, Chibalta joke. Uh, here, here's the idea. When we first started out, it was uh, originally it looked like it was going to be Nando and me. And then Derek came in and was like, wait a minute. We have one of the best players, the fantasy players, fantasy voices, you know, fantasy minds in America who's here with us. And it became a three man show. And after a little while, it became very clear to me that without Derek, this would be a very messy show. It would just be a lot of like uh, meat and cheese with no bread around it. So at at some point we were calling him the the white bread of the show to sort of keep keep the show together. (laughs) Ian was. I did. But then we, we, it was like, he's just too darn valuable, as I knew from my years working with him at Rotowire. That, and then we came up that he was the Chibalta bread. And then it became very clear that it was actually Chibata bread. So that's the, that, there are a couple of things to, to get hip to. There's that. And there's also the secret word of the week. Uh, If you send us a question on Twitter and you use our secret word of the week, we will definitely get to it, answer it, and give you our best opinion on it. That's it. Uh, you should also know there's, there's a lot of faux praise and humility coming from Ian, so just take whatever he says and uh, multiply it by 0. .20, and that's really how he feels. So, <laughs> 80% Ian Khan humility discount. So <laughs> let's get on to the show. On today's show, uh, our draft kit is out at The Athletic. Uh, by the way, in a celebration, go to theathletic.com slash draft kit, and you get 40% off a subscription to all of The Athletic. So uh, 36 bucks for a draft kit, and then everything else. No, everything else. I mean, you're talking about some of the, the best writers in America. It's an amazing site. I mean, if you're if you're a listener on iTunes, we're thrilled that you're here. Also consider uh, subscribing to The Athletic. It's the best $36 you'll spend this year. Yeah, less than a buck a week. It renews at its regular price, but whatever. I think you'll like it so much by then. that Anyway, whatever. The draft kit is out. We're going to get into that just a little bit. DVR's rankings are the rankings for The Athletic right now. Um, there was a big trade in baseball. We'll get into that a little bit, although maybe not too much because I don't, I'm not sure values changed so much, but there yeah, are some little, there's some little yeah. after effects. Well, of course, Ian, for those of you who are also new to the show, Ian only likes to talk about the top 20 players and Derek and I kind of <laughs> dip into the under the radar. <laughs> That's true. We, we embrace the name. Let's see if we can get into, uh, we'll get into this guy, Max Scherzer this week. Let's see how he Yeah, does. we'll see if we've got time. Yeah. Um, we got, we got to talk about a possible sleeper in Kansas City who our, our beat writer there, Alec Lewis, tipped us off to uh, in this Ask the Beat Writers feature we do. Um, Diddleson Lamette, which, by the way, also if you're new to the show, Derek corrects my pronunciations all the time, so get ready for that here. A second voice is not an echo, it's the correction. Uh, but Diddleson Lamette has, I feel, 
gotten way too many people into way too many frenzies. And it's just kind of like I look at him and I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on here. Um, and then, you know, there's stuff we'll never get to all the way at the bottom of our rundown. Uh, today, we're never going to get to uh, Grant Brisby bring up Darren Ruff and Drew Smiley as a couple super deep sleepers on the Giants. So I do. Hey, let me just say, since we're not going to get to it, I kind of do like Drew Smiley in San Francisco. Drew's I like the, that. It's there's some good. He has some good supporting statistics. Yeah. Um, anyway, on to the show. Uh, we pipped the draft kit a little bit, but I think we should leapfrog that with the trade. Uh, you know. I, there are a million pieces, but basically I think all that matters to me is Bruce Dorgaritol is going to the Red Sox, and uh, and that's about it. Uh, Kenta Maeda going to the Twins actually jumps his value maybe like 40 spots. I think the Kenta Maeda is, ends up being a really big thing because here's a guy who every year was going to get capped at like 140 innings. The Twins are going are gonna, to are going for it, right? So they are going to ride Maeda for as much as he can do. His third time through the order, he typically does rather well. He's got four really strong pitches. I'm excited to see what happens in Minnesota. I had just made a trade for him in the Dynasty League. Uh, I think last week in the Devil's Rejects, Wilson Caraman and I traded uh, Braylon Marquez for Kenta Maeda straight up in a good deal for both teams. Uh, but now with Maeda going to Minnesota, still a good team, uh, a, a decent ballpark. I'm excited to see what happens there. I also think Verdugo is interesting. What's interesting is that the, the Dodgers didn't like him very much. He He's not a great, you know, we have something else on the show called the Knucklehead, Ian's Knucklehead of the Week. Yeah, yeah, we totally have that. (laughs) Yeah. Based on reports out of Los Angeles, they looked at Verdugo as a bit of a knucklehead. Uh, great talent. I mean, I remember when he came out at age 18, came out of high school, the, 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 you know, he had a, like, I think a 60 hit tool coming out of high school. Like it, it was like really high grades on him, but there was always this, eh, he's kind of a knucklehead and, and, and not great in the field. No, fine in the field rather, but struggles with health. So we'll see what happens with him in Boston. Uh, but he, he does have that knucklehead effect. DVR, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here. Um, but this is something I've been thinking about, and I think you, you might have maybe noticed this too, or at least haven't thought about it, but you know, could pull it up quickly. I'm in a National League only league, I'm in an American League only league, um, you know, like most of us are. I've kind of noticed in my uh, looking at things that the American League is kind of lacking this year um, in terms of players that I want. Like the National League, at least let, let's talk about like ADP 250, maybe 300 and below. And you did the article in Draft Kit about the, the, late round darts and people you can try and get who can explode a little bit. Um, maybe it's just me, but I'm way more excited about my National League players than my American League ones. And really, my ADA going there excites me a little bit because that's just someone else I can kind of target. But uh, for me, like American League's kind of dry this year. and National League seems to be like where it's at. Am I crazy? Maybe not. I mean, I, I think with teams like the Reds pushing more chips in, that's made them a little more exciting. And I don't know. I just I wonder if in the AL there's still a, a greater disparity between the haves and the have-nots. Um, and maybe some of the changes the teams in the AL have made are elite players, so it's not like opportunity was opened up by the moves. That could be part of it uh, as right. well. But uh, thinking about this this big trade, I mean, I, Verdugo's playing time probably goes up in Boston, so it's a question of whether the playing time is up enough to offset what is likely going to be a drop in home runs. I mean, leaving Chavez Ravine and going to Fenway Park is a massive park decline from a power perspective for a left-handed hitter, and we're talking about a guy in Verdugo whose power is still somewhat suspect to begin with, but he puts a ton of balls in play. 
Uh, he has shown a pretty good walk rate in the upper levels of the minor leagues as well. Uh, so this could just be the kind of thing where, yeah, he's maybe only a, a 20 home run ceiling guy with the move to Boston, but he might have a chance of winning a batting title. Like That might be the high-end sort of expectation. Oh. So I, I think his, his stock is, is up. I don't know if it's, again, we're talking about a ceiling with the batting title, not an expectation. Um, I, I think the playing time is the key there. Now, Kenta Maeda... If he were going anywhere else in the American League, it would probably be a decent downgrade for him value-wise. But I think it is probably an upgrade because the Twins are not going to shut him down early the way the Dodgers have in previous seasons. Part of that from the Dodgers is that they had the depth so they could afford to do it. And part of that was that they were being cheap and they didn't want to pay Maeda all the incentive clauses that are in his contract. Uh, because he's got workload incentives built into that deal. It's part of the reason his contract is so cheap is he has to hit certain thresholds to actually make the money he deserves. The Twins are are not going to mess around with Kenta Maeda, so he's going to have a chance to get up to 175 or 180 innings. Uh, he's going to probably still miss a ton of bats. Going into the AL Central and pitching for the Twins means you don't have to face the Twins, so it might be the easiest division in the league to pitch in this season. Oh, White Sox? We're not, we're not a believer? No, they're they're better, but you still get the Tigers and the Royals a ton, and you know Cleveland's a top heavy lineup, so they're good, but they're not a lineup that you're you're sitting your third or fourth starting pitcher against, right? So I I just I think this is a, a net positive for Maeda, even though going to the Dodgers is usually the thing that we want yeah. fantasy pitchers to do. I mean, David Price is more interesting Much. with the Dodgers than he was with the Red Sox. Getting out of the AL East, uh, a lot of strikeouts last year from Price. If, if he's healthy. I like him quite a bit in that pick 150 range. Can I say one thing, Nando? Can I say one thing about your point about AL only? I so agree. So I'm doing AL labor in late February. I'm very nervous about this. I'm very aware about this. Oh, well, so many, so many great players uh, in that in that league. It's a really good. It's a really so good many league. guys I really respect who are just so much better than me. I'll never <laughs> have a chance. <laughs> there's there's my 80. percent I'm gonna call them up. I'm gonna call them up one by one and just tell them how much I love them. <laughs> Yeah, probably will. Um, uh, big fans. <laughs> for, for those of you who are new to the show, <laughs> Ian still calls people to pressure them into trades because he's not famous pressure. And get away with that. No, of not pressure. Yeah. But you engage people. You get an understanding of where they, how they feel about different players. Without question, it's a positive. Everyone should be doing it. But Scott White sent out an email to a bunch of people saying, "Hey, I'm doing these drafts." Blah blah blah. So I was like, last night was the ale only head to head mock, and I was like, I should do it. I want to get some tastes just of the player pool. I agree a hundred percent nl is so much more powerful i mean the nl is it's got more interesting players uh, to me guys that i'm more interested in um al is good i'm glad to be in al but there's a lot of movement and it's all going to the national league you know guys like trevor bauer guys like um uh jose de leon yeah right nick castellanos but guys are going that way exciting players to me the uh, Fernando Tatises, the Ozzy Albies of the world, you know, even guys like Charlie Blackman, Starling Marte, Javier Baez, Pete Alonso. It's just a lot to me. There's, there's, there is a difference. It's like sixty-two percent National League to thirty-eight percent American League. Uh, yeah, thank I, you, man. I thought I was crazy. I, that's how I feel. No, no, I, I really see it. I really see it. I mean, just uh, you know, even in the top three picks, right? So I had the third pick in the draft, 
and it went Trout 1, Garrett Cole 2. I didn't take bets at 3 because I was like, he's about to get traded. So he's about to be a useless player. And, you know, then it's like there's no Yelich, there's no Acuna, there's no Bellinger, there's no Soto, there's no Story, there's no Turner. I mean, these are the these are your first-round picks, mostly. Well, it's all too, I mean, and the, the Astros are all damaged. They're all damaged. Good. I mean, you can take but Altuve you could, third. It, I think, no, I, I know. I got Altuve at 21, actually. Well, um but really? I took Verlander. Yeah, I took Verlander third because I didn't want to take Lindor because there's a lot of depth at shortstop in that league, and it was a you really there was no middle infielder. You're just taking a shortstop. So I was like, I'm going to hold off on Lindor, and and then it was like, all right, I guess I got to take the pitching. It's a head to head league. But I, I did notice the same thing. I do think David Price. Going back to to Derek's point, I think David Price is a big upgrade. I think emotionally getting out of Boston, a place that he has not even winning a World Series, has not been most welcomed there the whole Dennis Eckersley business is not positive so him going to sunny Los Angeles having lived in sunny Los Angeles Mookie Betts is going to be a Los Angeles Dodger for life they're going to pay him as well they should do you guys think that the Mookie Betts part of the deal is as much of an outrage as some people do the fact that they're trading Mookie Betts at this time Nando do you think that that's just insane I don't know. I get the whole contract thing. I mean, it, look, uh, Boston's just a, it's a weird organization, I think. I mean, it, half of them are – are you cleaning up the mess from the Charrington era still? I don't think so. It's the Dombrowski era. Yeah, I guess era. it's the Dombrowski era, really. It really is. And and it's the it's the Nathan Eovaldi four years, you know, 70 million or whatever it was. Those well, are, he, that's was clo- the he could have been a good closer. Yeah, maybe, but you but, – yeah. They should if they should have looked further ahead. When I'm doing my keeper leagues, I'm aware of where contracts are. And the idea that they did not reserve $35 million a year to $38 million a year for Mookie Betts, whatever they're paying Mike Trout, the Boston Red Sox should have paid Mookie Betts, and they should have put that money aside. Trading Mookie Betts, to me, is, is outrageous. Do you think they call Bruzny Castillo now they've cleared all this money? Not call him up. I guess he's he's not on the forty man, so you got to add him. But so before the uh, before the show, I had put out. I told the guys about a trade offer that I had made that you didn't want to talk about on air. Well, I didn't want to talk about it on air because I didn't think it was going to happen. But he just countered me in a very clever way, and I'm going to give him this because what I offered him for Mookie Betts because the guy I'm trading with is it's important to know your trade partners in dynasty leagues. Okay, this guy had just traded. Vlad Guerrero Jr. for Mookie Betts straight up. He's also a huge San Francisco Giants fan. He loves the Giants. So last night I thought to myself, hey, this guy is not going to be wanting to root for Mookie Betts. He, he's sort of a mid-pack team and he's trying to get into the money. I'm the defending champion in this league. And I offered him a trade last night. or Yeah, late last night I offered him Justin Verlander for Mookie Betts alone. Justin Verlander, Paul Goldschmidt, Mike Fultonewitz, and Kenley Jansen. For Mookie Betts. Now, I have the coverage. I mean, obviously, losing Verlander is going to hurt, but I'm all about trading your older pitchers, all about your get out before they're gone, right? Yeah, were, you, were you worried at all? Like, sometimes when I'm doing trades, and so, sorry to interrupt your flow, but like Fulton Evich and Kenley Jansen could turn someone off and they could see, like, oh, this guy's just trying to dump his trash on me. No, so I'm I knew just going to straight liked, up reject. Yes, that is something I'm very mindful of. You don't want to put anybody in a trade that someone's going to say is trash. Yeah, it also I hurts know the trade when you're adding does. things. Without, well, not in this case because Verlander and Goldschmidt is not nearly enough to get bets as far as I'm concerned. I knew he liked Fulte because we were in talks about a different Verlander trade for the last couple of days that did not come to fruition where he was going to give me a bunch of prospects. Like, I'm looking to move Verlander. Absolutely looking to move Verlander. And he was trying to get Fulte into the deal somehow. So I knew he wanted him. Um, 
And so I just put together this. It's like Goldschmidt, Verlander, Fulte, and Jansen for bets. And I was waiting for him to take it. And he just countered me with a clever little, tiny little... He wants the deal, obviously. I'm giving him now... He just asked for my first round pick, which is the last pick in the first round because I won last year, for the fourth pick in the second round. So it's just a drop of four picks. And it's a clever move by him. He would have just taken that deal, but he's like, hey, I may as well get this little get this little bit more profit and I'm gonna give it to him. And we're gonna Why? Make say no, he'll do it anyway, man. No. No. See, you know, one thing I like to do, like you give I like to give the edge a little bit to the other team. Just give give them what they want so they feel good about it. He's giving me what I want. I'm clearing space. I'm I'm clearing roster space and on this team now, it's a fifteen team league. I'm gonna have uh Trout, Acuna, Yelich and Betts on the same team. Man, and that's, and that's that's enough. So man, <laughs> enough for now. Enough for now. Uh, if you want, was that guy in love? Actually, remember when he when he confessed his love to uh, Kira Knightley? Yeah, I never saw Love Actually. Got the, oh, Ian, come on, man. All right, DVR, you I know DVR watches every Christmas, right? No, I've not seen Love Actually. Oh, I, neither <laughs> oh, of us. My God, all right, come on. Well, that's right. showbiz. All right, we'll have to get Love Actually on the. Uh, on the agenda. All right, I think I'm going to take this trade right here, right now, on the air. Make sure you watch Turn first, though. Yeah, right. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If you're not a yeah, history listen, fan, you don't need to watch Turn. I don't know, but you know what? I no. I'm a hist- so I got a history major, masters in history, and I watched the first two episodes, and uh, it's cool. I don't think it's it's. You don't have to like history to like it. It had a, the, the first one, especially had like had a very. Gritty, did you have like a guest director for the first one? You know how like Martin Scorsese did the first episode yeah, of Boardwalk forget. Empire and then passed it off. Yeah, that's kind of how it worked for us too. Because it felt who, it was very cinematic. Yeah, it was. It was long. It was like an hour and thirty minutes long. I'm not in the first five. I don't arrive till the end of the fifth episode on that show, and then You're, I'm there. Right then, then it I, I become a central part of the show. Um, but you got to get through those first, you know, few, and then. People love it, man. I just had a buddy of mine who was like, hey, I just watched all four seasons in nine days. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> all right, I'm taking this deal. I am all accepting right. this trade. There's going to be uh, some blowback. Okay, not bad blowback. It's just a big deal. Verlander, Goldschmidt, Fulte, Jansen, and my first-round pick for Mookie Betts and his second-round pick. Done. DVR just highlighted uh, Greta Rall. Like, very aggressively highlighted Gretz like, Move on. Uh, <laughs> I think he just wanted me to say it so he could correct me. But, uh, all right, go ahead, DVR. I just think we Since should. You yellow highlighted this. We should just finish that part of the trade. I was just thinking about it. Like, like what is this guy? Brewster Gretterall is this guy who. The Twins probably saw him as a reliever, which is why they were willing to include him as part of this three team trade. But maybe the Red Sox want to try and develop him as a starter. Throws really hard, touches triple digits with a fastball, doesn't necessarily have a third pitch yet, maybe some command issues in there as well. A very common profile that we see in prospects in fantasy baseball, dynasty leagues. Uh, is he a short-term winner going to Boston because they had a pretty unsettled closer situation last year until Brandon Workman took over? Is he a long-term winner because he now has a chance to be dealt as a starter? You know, what do we think of, of Gratterall with this opportunity in Boston? I think that's that's kind of a a key long-term piece there for this trade to maybe be graded more favorably down the road for the Red Sox than it's being graded today. Well, I'm thinking just straight fantasy. for like So, okay, I own him in my American League-only keeper league uh, as one of my minor league slots. And I was kind of worried, you know, oh, he's going to be in the bullpen, whatever, whatever. I thought maybe the upside is that he... Uh, 
he gets some saves. You know, that closer situation isn't exactly settled. Um, or I guess it's, it's a little more settled now that he's gone. But you could see him as being like that power pitcher, like a Batansis type big dude who just goes to the bullpen and starts mowing dudes down. Um, I don't know now, man. Like you put him in Boston, maybe he could, maybe he could be an SP five there. But maybe he could also close there. I don't know. It's 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 so weird. I think I would rather kept him in Minnesota. And now you know. So the, the rule is when he goes up to the majors, you got to make a decision within ten days. Uh, you keep him and release someone else, or you uh, you release him, or trade him, or whatever. You got to get him off your roster if you're not going to use him in ten days. So I think with the Red Sox now, I might do that. I liked him way more with the Twins. I, don't I, know, I think his value goes down unless he's I, the fifth starter. Yeah, I, you know, you have to ask the question: Why did they move him? Right? It's that it's that that old thing. It's like you get Maeda. I mean, I just traded Braylon Marquez for him in another league, right? So it's a it, it sort of makes sense. Young pitcher for older pitcher who's going to help us right now. But if they thought that he had, you know number two upside, I don't think they make that trade. So you have to kind of trust the Twins and say they're not a fan. They're not a full fan of him. They, they see him more coming out of the bullpen than as a starter. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. And maybe they just you saw know, it as a, something that's going to take some more time. Maybe they saw him as a reliever now, and if he was ever going to be a good starter, they thought it was going to take another year or two for him to put all those pieces together. If their window is 2020 and 2021, Kenta Maeda makes them a lot better for the next two seasons mm-hmm. than Gratterall does. So with the Red Sox sort of taking a step back, which is so weird to say and to see, this is still a good team. Like even trading away Mookie Betts, it's it is frustrating. It's it's sad. It's disappointing for baseball. I, I know we've seen the reports from from Ken Rosenthal that you know Betts wants to test free agency because he's an elite player and it's it's good for the players union if he does that. So I understand like the the fear of of losing him on the open market. But this is a cornerstone franchise in Major League Baseball. Like that that fear is real for any team because a player gets to choose when they finally do reach free agency. You still get a draft pick if you lose him and you get one more shot at making a run to the World Series. I don't think as good as this team is even without bets, they're good enough to make the playoffs at this point. I don't think they're good enough to win a World Series anymore. So now they have to like sell off more pieces. That's the stupid thing. Is like it's one move that gives them flexibility, but they're not going to find a player like Mookie Betts because there's only a handful of guys capable of putting up MVP caliber seasons like that. It's just such a stupid trade from a, a general baseball perspective. We look at like Trout is signed forever. Harper signed forever. Like even the guys who might be bubbling up, they, they could be like, oh, in a couple of years we'll get the next bets. They're all like everybody's signing these long term deals. So it's got to be a, an emotional thing for bets. If he liked playing in Boston, if he felt cared for, what? Who's your who's your allegiance to? To the union, or is it to your team? I mean, you know it, it's, it's to him. He owes it to himself, though, also to test the market, right? Like, yeah, if, if any of us were between thirty-eight million and forty-two million a year, man. I, I mean, I, I, I we're talking about play money for those guys at that point. But there is yeah. a certain principle, like it, in, in the way the game is structured, you can have a good time there for six years and the time he spent in the minor leagues too, and get that opportunity to hit free agency and go somewhere else. And it doesn't mean you didn't enjoy the time in Boston. I mean, maybe maybe there is a place he'd rather be. That was one of the things about Betts that was always kind of a puzzle to me is, you know, I know he's a Nashville guy, went to Vanderbilt. 
where does he actually want to be? Maybe Boston was second or third on his list, and there is some other place he wants to go when he gets that chance. But then how many teams are willing to give a contract out like that to any player? It's still a pretty short list of teams, even though the list of teams that could do it is a lot longer than the list of teams that will do it. John Henry is worth $2.7 billion, okay? And the Boston Red Sox are, as you say, a flagship. They, they, I, they played this terribly. They did a bad job. They had to hope that J.D. Martinez was going to opt out. He didn't opt out, so you can't afford to keep Mookie Betts. Shame on them, really. I mean, shame on them. They, they, I have Wilson Caraman and Ralph Lifshitz. These are two two of my friends in this fantasy game, both desperate Red Sox fans, and they're heartbroken today, and I understand. If Aaron Judge, if this were a similar situation with the New York Yankees and Aaron Judge got traded, man, I would be storming. I'd be mad as heck. So... It's uh, it's sad. It's sad for baseball. He should he should have retired and gone into the Hall of Fame as a Boston Red Sox. Now he's going to go into the Hall of Fame as a Los Angeles Dodger. And I think that team is just absurd now. Is it anything worse than what the Marlins did with Stan? It's similar. It's it, it, I mean, it's similar. People want to burn the Marlins down for it, doing this. It's worse. It's, it's worse the for the move. Marlins. I think I think it's worse for the Marlins because they signed Stanton to the extension, making it look like they wanted to keep him forever and then still traded him and did the typical Marlins thing. Nah, that was fine as far as I'm concerned. As a Yankee fan, I wish they never made that trade to be honest. I mean, that 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 contract is like it was a bad contract to sign for a player of that sort of limited scope to give Stanton 30 million. The difference between Stanton in the field and Betts in the field, Betts, Betts's war is second only to Mike Trout. No one is close. No one is close to those two. So I, I you know, he he's a special player. I, I think it's it's sad for Red Sox fans. As a Yankee fan, I'm fine. Send him. Get out of here. But there's another again, the brain drain. You know, it's not a brain drain. The talent drain is going going to the National League. Now you got Betts in the National League as well. You got Yelich, yeah. Betts, Soto, um, Acuna. It's uh, National League has 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 more star power. Ian, by the way, I listened to the Guardians of the Republic, the last one. Ian's oh. other podcast. Yeah, it was great. I Thanks, liked man. it. I, Thank you, you know, I, so I I love like the polling stuff. Uh, sorry, yeah, let me just good, go off on right? a tangent here for a second. Ian has another podcast. So does DVR. Actually, I'm the only one here who cares about this one. <laughs> we care. DVR, I, <laughs> I said it's my favorite hour, favorite business hour of the week. And that that was in reference to everything. Yes. Well, it would be nice if this was your fun hour of the week. Does it is real business. No, but what I mean is like this is well, you know, hanging with my wife is pretty fun too. I like I enjoy yeah, my yeah. you know family time is good too. But no, thank you. Yeah, Guardian. I'll I'll give a quick plug to it. Actually, the show is Guardians of the Republic, like Guardians of the Galaxy, but we're guarding the Republic, and it's talking about where we are as a nation. Um, and I do it with a, a really impressive guy. His name is Patrick Murray. If you've heard of the Monmouth University poll, like the Quinnipiac poll, this is the Monmouth University poll, which was just named the number one poll in the country. And he is the pollster. He's the boss. And he and I do a podcast. He was a fan of Turn, and we ended up kind of getting into each other's orbit and became good friends. And we do this podcast every week um, where we talk about the challenges to the Republic. So if you want to check it out, while you're checking out us on under the radar on iTunes, just pop in Guardians of the Republic. And uh, each episode starts with a George Washington quote as well. And yeah, we in take, the George Washington voice. Yeah. And we take the Derek Van Riper note very seriously about being mindful about crosstalking. We really are. We're like, I have Derek in my mind the whole time going, don't talk over. Don't talk over. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Finish at 45 minutes, please. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's fun. Thank you, though. Thanks for the. Thanks for the. No There's a plug for you. Yeah, there you go. 
And also uh, Derek Van Riper's other show, Rates and Barrels, which is a finalist for both the FSGA and FSW. Whoa, is today FSWA day? I should really know. <laughs> and I am not sure at all. Like it, It's, um, it's got to be coming up soon, though. We are in February. I think, I think it's today, actually. I think they announced the winners today. Oh, shoot. Good luck, man. Good yeah, luck, good luck, DVR. All right. Let, let's hope something good happens. Let's move along. To, now that we've plugged our shows, your shows, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys are seeing this as well. And I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just bringing my issues into the show. But all I see, Denelson Lamette, like every expert, everybody I follow is like, here's my sleeper this year, Lamette. Blah, 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 blah. And you actually look at him and it's kind of like, oh, he's just kind of okay, you know, in the minors. He was good. I don't love him as much as all these people are like, people, he's going to supplant Paddock as the number one. I don't see it. I watched some film on Denelson Lamette this morning um, in preparation. And, you know, that's some serious stuff. That, that fastball is 98 with movement. The slider was tight. The curveball, his changeup was interesting. He's got a big presence on the mound. I don't know. I was watching that film this morning and thinking to myself, I better go get me some Denelson Lamette. Isn't there a downside, though, that people aren't recognizing? I yeah, guess? I mean, there's an injury. Tra- the, the, he's, been, he's had real injury issues, for sure. Not even injury. I mean, like his, you know, he, yeah, I guess that. He hasn't pitched a ton of innings, which is related to the injuries. But, um, you know, K per nine's very good. Uh, the whip was a little high for me, though. I thought the whip was kind of high. He threw a crap load of wild pitches a couple of years ago. Um, and I guess, you know, he was 23 and still kind of growing and learning. I don't know. I just, I just feel like everyone is so hot on him. He's going to be that guy. As they say in the NFBC, he's going to get the helium, and he's going to move up and up and up that draft board to the point where he's, he can't be a sleeper anymore. Uh, no one can actually claim him as, like, their guy, even though I'm sure everyone will take victory laps after he's great in his first month or whatever. Um, but I, I just feel like no one's recognizing a possible downside where the whip's going to be kind of high, and you know maybe he's not going to be used to throwing all these innings. TVR has him at, as the 47th ranked starter, and that's the list I always look to first. I'm great with that. It seems like everyone's talking about him like he's top 25, though. 47's perfect for me for this guy. Yeah, I... You've got to be way off EC DVR on that one, right? Sorry to interrupt, but you've got to be. I'm lower than the field on, on Lamette, and that was kind of pre-Helium, and I'm, I'm just worried that with Helium, his ADP could maybe approach the back of the top 100. Once we get to March, I think it's possible. So he's already a little higher than I'm willing to pay, and I think I'm just out. I mean, he's a two-pitch guy. He does get a ton of swing and miss. Are you sure just two? I saw like four. I think it's really. I think he's really more of a two pitch guy at this point. It's okay. um, maybe he's throwing that. Maybe I saw a slider at eighty nine. I saw a curve at eighty five, and I saw a changeup at eighty five. Yeah, his change might just move a lot and and get classified as a slider. I guess that's that's possible. Okay, uh, but if you look at the splits, he's like fifty four percent fastball, forty three percent slider, and then you know margin of error change up <laughs> like it's, it's okay it's pretty Fair wild enough. but the thing if he adds a third pitch like if we see that and he's comfortable throwing it that changes a lot right there there are guys with two pitches his teammate chris paddock who had a lot of success so it's not impossible there's a home run issue there's a command issue the arsenal's not that deep i think there's a lot of talent there but when Eno was talking about him on rates and barrels yesterday he described him in sort of like abstract terms i was like oh you described chris archer and then I thought, wow, I, I liked Chris Archer year over year, and I was disappointed year over year. So maybe Lamette's one of those guys that in the NFBC and in like really strikeout-heavy leagues, he's worth that extra risk because he will miss a ton of bats. But 
I don't know. I could I could see him being a five and fly guy a lot. I mean, he missed 2018 with Tommy John, only threw 73 innings last year. The Padres could be careful with him. The ratios could be all over the road this year. I'm I'm just I'm not in on Denelson Lamette at that rising price. I'm not in on Denelson Lamette at the back end of the you know close to 100. No, I mean he's got to fall to 150, which is kind of where I was seeing him a couple of weeks ago in the NFBC. He was he was hanging around. I didn't take him. Um, it was only Nando's question that really made me dig into him a little deeper and go, wow, 105 strikeouts in 73 innings. That's that's pretty dominant stuff. I'm looking up the ADP right now. So I was, I was looking it up just to I, – I didn't sort. Um, you know, if you go to the NFBC site, you can sort by uh, by dates and stuff. Yeah, I, I ran a report just now for January 15th through today. His ADP is 127. His min pick's 92. So he has already jumped up into that top 100 in at least one room. He's right next to Lance Lynn in ADP right now. Hmm. For me, I'm Lynn over Lamette for 2020. Nine times out of ten, maybe ten times out of ten. How about Lynn or Jake Arrieta? Hey, now, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where are you there? That's who it was. It was I mean, Jake Arrieta. For those of you who don't know, Arrieta's basically free this year. I was just thinking yeah, about him in a draft and hold uh, yesterday. He's fine, actually. man. He's fine. I mean, it's worth it if you can get him in the twenty ninth or thirtieth round. Who knows? Maybe he puts it back together. Yeah, I, yeah. It's I don't know. There are other guys. How about? Lamette versus Frankie Montas, who used to be a two-pitch guy and was kind of stuck in that in-between like our guy Bruce Gratterall was uh, or is right now. What do you think about Montas versus Lamette with the price being pretty much equal? I'm Montas all the way. I think Montas's value is suppressed because of the suspension. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm buying that, you know, maybe there's a chance that it was a tainted supplement or, you know, meat. You know, could could be something like that. Or but, meat. Uh, I, what? Well, that was Canelo Alvarez's excuse when he in boxing. For those who follow boxing, that he had tainted meat, and that's where the the I don't know the tainted oh, meat great. defense is one tainted that I'll have to remember if I ever find legal trouble. Listen, we have every week we decide what our what our secret word is, and we were gonna. It looks like Derek put in humility discount. Nope, but not that. <laughs> nope, not that anymore. <laughs> tainted meat hashtag tainted meat. You will All get right. your question answered. It's always Nando. Nando always says something that that becomes the hashtag tainted meat. That's pretty good. That's tainted fun. meat is actually a thing. Google uh, Canelo Alvarez suspension. <laughs> okay, but a drug test. I, I guess. I guess. I, I, I Frankie Montas. I've dinged him because of the uh, suspension. This stuff was ridiculous last year. His numbers were amazing last year. Um, I don't know. I, both of you guys have Montas. I'm sort of a. Uh, I'm waiting and hoping that Lamette falls because I'm not taking Montas as the 30th best pitcher in baseball. You know, at some point, someone's going to have to do a PED suspension next year thing. Because I don't think too many guys came back from that and were not good. Like Bartolo Colon came back from it. It was awesome. I totally understand. He's a totally different pitcher. He's just the first one that comes to mind of who was another pitcher that was suspended for that, who was, you know, pitching well and had some kind of track record. Um, Melky Cabrera came article. back and hit for average still. That feels like Al should do that one. I'm trying to find a list. Just so I can quickly go through, but there's not one really readily available. Not Wikipedia, but yeah, that does that does kind of seem like an Al Melchior one. Yeah, if he's doing air density, that air density stuff is good. I'm telling you, man. Oh, Ryan Braun. Well, Ryan Braun kind of got old. Can we talk? Um, can we talk about Trevor Bauer for a second? Just for a second. Yeah, I know he's not on the list, but while, while you're looking that up, Derek, what do you think of Trevor Bauer? Do, do you buy it? 
So for totally different reasons, because their approaches and number of pitches and everything are, are different, I'm beginning to wonder if Trevor Bauer is another Chris Archer type who has one great year, and Archer had more than one, but... He didn't have a, not as good a year as 2018 was. Right, he didn't have a peak a, year like that, but he had three a, years in a row with a low three ZRA and with good whips in two of those three years and kind of average whips otherwise. Lots of strikeouts, lots of innings, and just never quite living up to the expectations that we had. Like, I wonder if Bauer is actually that guy, but he was hurt last year too, which makes this all the more complicated. I, I'm worried that I'm not going to have him anywhere... I shouldn't say worried. I'm I'm probably not going to have him anywhere, and I'm I'm okay with that. I'm I'm more kind of saying, hey, prove it. I'm gonna throw some uh, fly in the ointment, and this is a Nando thing. His pitching coach, <laughs> Derek Johnson, in Cincinnati, was behind the resurgence of Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. Now Bauer isn't the most coachable of kids, but if he goes over there and gets a little bit of the Derek Johnson magic with his stuff. I, I, even with that ballpark, I, I think that I, I think it could be a, you know, I'm not going out and buying them everywhere, but I, I saw him on your list at 32. You have him as the number 32 starting pitcher in baseball. I don't know. I, I, I think that's a little low. I think that he has, I think he has upside. I think he could come back in a big way. Oh, you yeah. must have read my article then on the five dynasty players to get right now. <laughs> I took all the, I took all the Reds pitchers from last year and they, they all, like to a man, like even all the like Robert Stevenson and uh, uh, who's their tall reliever guy who used to be a starter who played basketball Amir Garrett. For St. John's. Amir Garrett. Yes, they all like all of them had uh, career highs in K per nine. Every single it was my case for Jose De Leon, of course. Right, but, but is this it, Derek John? Did you are you the one who mentioned Derek Johnson? Yeah, it was Derek. It was Derek Johnson. Like Derek all Johnson right. is a pitching coach, and That's all these. Why. You're exactly right. It's a Nando thing. Yes. Yeah, it is a Nando thing. Not like I, I invented it, but it's it's my line. No, of I read that article. That's where I got I got the idea from. I was like, that's that's good stuff, Nando. There you go. There you Nando go, Nando Defino. So using that analogy, using that thought, is that Derek Johnson might bring the best out in Trevor Bauer. I would like to see that, but you're right about his coachability. Yeah, he's he he's a knucklehead man. By Ooh. the way, some names for you: uh, D. Gordon in 2016. He's a hitter, though. Adalberto Mondesi. I forgot. 2016. Oh, yeah. 50-game wow. suspension. Uh, the closest pitcher maybe is Irvin Santana, who was suspended in 2015. He was fine. I mean, he was Irvin Santana after that, you know? Uh, I guess the jury's still out on Robinson Cano. That's all I got. All right. Anyway, stay tuned. Maybe we'll run something. Maybe we'll run some numbers. That's a Selfino or Al thing. Sounds good. Go to Anyway, move right along. <laughs> uh, look, we got this thing about the clock, but I, I, I don't think we have that much time. We have time. No, we have time. Ryan O'Hearn instead, though. Uh, no, nah, we got to do beneficial. your clock take. We got to do your clock take because I'm surprised you, you didn't like it. No, nah, I don't. I don't. I don't buy this clock take at all. So that's why I think we should discuss it. So here's the thing. I'm gonna. And I don't actually. Here's the crazy thing. I don't do this. I just think it's a brilliant strategy. So you know, when you play your, your leagues, when you have a four hour clock, and you know what, Ian? Last night when this trade was breaking is the perfect. Like I just wanted to go yep. and gloat to everybody, but I didn't because I don't like Twitter. <laughs> I, I hate. And I don't like gloating. George Washington wouldn't gloat. Wait a minute. You did do that. You went on and said, this is the perfect reason why you should let your clock run all the way down because now all of a sudden, Kenta Maeda has more value than he had before. You actually- That wasn't gloating. That was educating. Okay, fair enough. I didn't Same say, thing. guys, oh, am I, am I wrong still? Smiley face? Oh, actually, you're right. It wasn't Twitter. You just sent that to us. 
Okay, well, there you go. So, <laughs> See, I don't even know why I put things anymore. <laughs> all right, so Nando, Nando's take is everyone should, if they're smart, if you have the four hours, you should take the four hours because something might shift between the time you go on the clock and the time you're off the clock. Here's my take on that. No, bad idea. Terrible, terrible idea. The the In a slow draft, look, it's not about being like liked by the other 14 players. It's about being respectful. It's about what is it that if everybody took that tact, and did four hours, you'd get six picks a day. How long is that draft? Yeah, it would take then? three months to draft if everyone yes, did this. It's, yeah, I got a lot of I got a lot of responses with a lot of math actually. So yeah, I, I know because, this answer too. No, but it, it's it's it it's kind of how we are as a country right now. It's like we gotta we gotta be mindful of the other people as well. We can't just do what's best for us all the time. So I do. Well, then they shouldn't have a four hour limit. Well. What should they have? A two-hour limit? There are two-hour limit. limits. I'm in plenty with one-hour and two-hour limits. Yeah, all right, but 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 do not. I I I can. I am like firmly on the other side of this. Like this guy, I got burned on this in one of the drafts. I forget. It was earlier when Jose Martinez got moved, and the guy was like waiting, and he waited the full two hours. I think it was. It was only a two-hour draft, and I was a little frosted by it. But then he Were you was just like, hey, jealous because he was being smart and he got no, to act you know on what? that move because he used his allotted time. Listen, if we are in a situation where there's a trade that is being announced and we know a trade's going through and we don't know who's going back and you want to take the extra time in that specific time, fine, really fine. It, it's a it's a clever play on your part. If you're doing that just on the assumption that something might happen, I think you're I think you're, it, it's a no for me. It's a strong no. Don't do that. I forget who it was. I think it was Jeff Zimmerman actually popped into the Twitter feed and said something like, uh, maybe it was Mike Alexander from Rasball. It was like, you know, the way to do this is a chess clock, is you get 12 hours for the entire draft. So it's not like four that. hours a pick. And that's it. Your clock runs, boom, make your pick, boom. Clock runs, boom, Ooh, make your pick, boom. That's a great idea. I am that's a great idea, that. right? Yes, because then you can even build up time for yourself, right? And you can just set your cue. Like, all right, I'm. it's between these three guys. I'm, I've got three picks till me, two picks till me. I'll just do it. So, boom, it just keeps it moving. I love that idea. Ooh, yeah. But I'm sorry, if you're if you're spending 150 bucks, and these draft champions leagues are 150 bucks, um, and you're making your pick in four minutes because you don't want to anger these guys in the chat room who you don't even look. I didn't even, you know how long it took me to realize there was a chat room in there? And I look at, and I don't do this, right? Like I go in and I pick, like, I'm just saying this is a very smart strategy to use is to milk that clock. Cause if you make your pick in five minutes mm. and you have 240 minutes to make your pick, you know, there's like a, a 1600% whatever window that you're, you're losing. Okay, um, I really disagree. But they're, they're like, I'm, come on, Jeff, let's go, man. Like, they're all just, like, yelling at people who are taking too long. Yeah. But, well, it's a slow times. draft. You get an email when it's your turn. Who cares? All right, but, you know, here I have one little thing, and then we should move on to Ryan O'Hearn. You know what I think would be cool? Well, I think DVR should talk. I'm sorry, yeah, of course. Actually, no, yeah, DVR needs cool, to though. come in and be the, the tiebreaker. <laughs> he needs to be the Supreme Court justice. Um, here, here's what I would say. Here's, here's, here's what I would say that would be cool. I think there should be an accounting of how much time is used. And whoever uses the least time in the draft, if it's a tie, they win. How about that? So it gives people motivation to make their pick quicker. Wow, a tiebreaker at the end. I mean, it has happened. Yep. I almost tied in a draft and hold with, uh, with Jeff Barton. Last year, it was a a half point Jeff difference. Barton, I think. Score sheet inventor Jeff Barton. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, t- I actually tied in the league with Tim Heaney for first place two years ago. So maybe, th- maybe that would be a good way to break the tie. 
That and that keeps everybody on it because they're like, I, I want to get. Oh, damn, I just let the clock run down on stupidity and blah blah blah. And it's like, hey, part of the game. It's just a tiebreak. Yeah, and in a fifty-round draft, I mean, everyone's gonna have a a pick or two where they're maybe not around or they forget to of set course. the queue. And yeah, all right, I, I could I could get down with that. But but DVR, what's your what's your what's your view? Break the tie for us here. I mean, I don't think running the clock down, waiting for something to happen is at all what the pick clock is intended to do. I think no, it's, you would take Ian's side, man, because he's the actor. No, yeah. because I'm right. On this one, I'm right. <laughs> okay, let's let's think about it in terms of like basketball, right? Like there's a shot clock, and your goal every time you have the ball is not to run 23.5 seconds off the shot clock and then take the shot, right? It's the score. like this. So I don't, I don't think there's this overwhelming yeah, advantage like the- to sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting to hopefully have something happen. I mean, like the trade that happened yesterday, depending on where you're at in your draft, it doesn't necessarily give you an advantage to have been on the clock when it happened unless someone's role or value actually does change a lot. And in that case, if you were in the eighth round, ninth round, tenth round, and the trade happens, you're like, I need a pitcher. David Price is a ninth rounder now. I'm going to go ahead and take him. Okay, so you got a slight discount on David Price, or you're in the thirty fifth round, and, well, or if you're in the thirty fifth round and this trade happens, and and Gratterall is still out there, maybe that puts you over the top to to pick him up. But like, is that really going to swing the entire league? Like, I just I, I don't think that's worth waiting for, and not to be popular with the rest of the league, but just because I don't think it really gives you as much of an advantage as you probably think it does. I mean, we all agree that NFBC has some of the best of the best players, right? Like, these are people who are spending a ton of money on these teams. Yeah, of course. Take even the slightest advantage, and this is – DVR, like, when you're talking about basketball, what if the court suddenly turned pink, and when that happens, at random points in the game, you get five points for a basket? (laughs) Then you would run out the 24-second clock. But it happens one time during the draft, maybe, and it, the the window is for like three seconds. Like then you wait and you waited all that time for that. It's like why you could have been doing other things. You could have scored more points. I just want to be clear. I don't I don't practice this at all. In fact, I do the opposite. I, I actually, like in in regular drafts, I'm the fastest guy to go. Always have a cue ready to go. Yeah, man, I just totally. think like our job is to tell people kind of how to strategize best. Do not do I this. Think Taking do the full do four, this. I don't even. Why? I don't notice when someone takes four hours on the clock. I you get my are, email. I'm like, okay, cool, let's go. You are That's alone. It. You are alone. It's it's I don't bad think form. I am. It's bad form. It's I don't bad think it etiquette. is. Bad etiquette. It's not. That's you know right. what's bad etiquette is. <laughs> I was gonna swear and I didn't. <laughs> Complaining in the chat room that people are taking too long. Okay, like, it's it's February. It's it was January when this is going on. Yeah, okay. There's some there's there's something to be said about that. Complaining in chat rooms, you got to understand. Like my take on slow drafts is this: I have the full expectation that someone is not going to get to their pick. I just have that's how I kind of go through it, and I say right. if someone if if they are making their pick, awesome, wow, wow, that went really fast. But I don't come like when people do complain, I'm sort of like, yo, now if it's the same guy who's oh, the draft is stopping on the same guy every single time, that's worth of a complaint. TGFBI last year it was a similar slow draft style thing, and there was one guy who literally let the clock run down every single time, and then you know, and then the you know they just took the top player. Everyone in the league was kind of losing their mind, and Justin Mason replaced that player after like six Good. rounds. Nice, yeah. 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 So just you know, be 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 gracious, man. Just just it's not worth that extra edge. Give the edge in life. Just try to give the edge in life. Don't take it for that tiny little know. advantage. It ain't worth it. I don't know if you could pick and choose your 
moments here of being a good guy versus strategizing the crap out of a game. Be a good guy. Yeah. Be a good guy. <laughs> All right. How about that? Okay. Just be, be you a heard good it from guy. Ian. Yeah. Be a good guy. Like I said, I don't do it, but I think I should tell people that that's my responsibility to tell people you should do this. I just have that's one smart thing to strategy. Say. I have one thing to say yeah. before we get into Ryan O'Hearn. Tainted yeah. meat. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> it's a real thing. All right. Ryan O'Hearn. Ryan O'Hearn. All right. Uh, DVR, you haven't talked a lot. Why don't you read this Ryan O'Hearn blurb from Alec Lewis, who's our uh, beat writer in Kansas City. We asked all of our beat writers for their surprise players for this year, and this is what Alec came up with. All right, it reads, Look, this entire offseason, the Royals' brass has been beaming about the 26-year-old first baseman who has not been able to find consistency at the big league level. O'Hearn's hard hit rate, 43.9% in 2019, has even new manager Mike Matheny optimistic. The dude's competitiveness doesn't hurt. Similar to Hunter Dozier's progression last year, the Royals see this as O'Hearn's time to hit. And maybe, just maybe, with pitching prospects such as Brady Singer and Jackson Cower emerging, O'Hearn's hitting could open up winning opportunities similar to that of your teams. Now, there's some stats that I think Nando threw yeah, in I here. Yeah, threw this in for our, yeah, that was, that was for me, for us. I've really never thought Ryan O'Hearn was good enough to be a regular in the big leagues, so I'm just skeptical of him overall. The hard hit rate's kind of interesting, but is he going to make enough contact to do that damage? Like That's a fair question, I think, to ask in the long run. And how patient are they really going to be? Like, Is he... Is he more than a flyer in an AL only situation or like a draft and hold for you guys? No, no. I had I was big on Ryan O'Hearn last year, uh, going into last season in dynasty leagues because he was minor league eligible, um, and similar to how people were feeling about Evan White right now in Seattle, it was like, hey, look, O'Hearn has got a clear path to the job, and with that clear path to the job, what did he do? He hit one ninety five. He struck out ninety nine times in three hundred and twenty eight at bats. His OPS was 650. Look, Mike Matheny, <laughs> Mike Matheny's excited about somebody. I'm not excited about them, frankly. I'm not a fan of Mike Matheny, any, any part of how he is a manager. Um, is there a possibility that he is worth, in a draft and hold, uh, a pick in the 32nd round? Yeah, actually, yeah. But to me, I actually have more upside for Greg Bird, who just signed in Texas yesterday to a minor league contract with a spring training invite. That seems to be a place where I, I could see if Greg Bird could stay healthy by some miracle and keep his feet under him, that he could do more damage with his bat than Ryan O'Hearn can. That's my opinion. That means you have to not like Ronald Guzman, I guess, right? Or at least yeah, root well, against Ronald Guzman. Not rooting against him, but I, I think Bird, Guzman, uh, to me, Bird is a, is a higher upside play. I mean, I think we kind of know what Guzman's going to bring us. Bird could hit 35 home runs. If he could stay healthy all season, I've, and you know from the show that I'm one of the biggest Greg Bird rooters in the world. Not not because he's a Yankee, but because he was. His, I love these former top prospects who have shown the skill before, who have just been hampered by injury, who finally get an opportunity. And I, I think you're right. There is a path for first base for him right there in Texas. Yeah, that's and a good. DH. That's a good landing spot. Yeah, it's a really good. Landing I thought spot. he was going to go to Japan or Korea. He's good, man. I mean, when when he there was a year, I think it was 2017, maybe it was 2018. He came back in the playoffs and was the Yankees' best hitter in the playoffs. He was hitting home runs, like big home runs. He was hitting against great pitching, 
in 2018. I think it was 22. It could have been 17. But but he does have the ability. He just has never been able to stay healthy. And he's, you know, he's not terribly exciting. But Ryan O'Hearn, sure, as an absolute flyer and AL only, absolutely, it's worth it. Because it looks like he will get some at-bats. But I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not a big believer there. DVR, does the Hunter Dozier path to success last year? I mean, he, he made the Alec made the point in here. Uh, you don't want to steal it from him, but... You think about Hunter Dozier and what he showed before last year, and uh, you know you're kind of like, oh, well, Ryan O'Hearn, you could make that same kind of ish argument, maybe, and maybe they just know how to get the breakout out of someone in Kansas City right now. Yeah, a little less pedigree with O'Hearn compared to Dozier, though. I think Hunter Dozier was a pretty early first round pick. O'Hearn was uh, an eighth yeah. rounder, um, you know, five six years ago. Now he's he's been around for longer than you'd think, uh, but I, I think. The, the broader point is that playing time is important in our game. We sometimes lose sight of that, again, getting focused on more complicated things. But if he's going to be the big side platoon first baseman, and that's something that Alex is going to be a lot more in tune with than I am, that is an opportunity to hit a cheap 20 home runs, drive in 65 or 70, and he might hit 225 or 230 while doing it. But we've had years where you know a guy like Justin Bohr is useful in deeper mixed leagues. So maybe that's the ceiling. I just I don't think he's going to come up to the Hunter Dozier level. I, I, I would bet against that because there's a pretty long track record at AAA, almost two full seasons before last year, where he was kind of an average or even a below average hitter. Uh, so I just I don't think he's really going to figure it out quickly enough for the Royals to continue giving him at least regular run against right-handed pitching from start to finish this season. It was a good article, by the way. Uh, all the beat writers giving varying levels of sleepers and surprises. It's fun. That's always a fun article. I remember last year was a good article, too. Don't you, we do it again, like, mid-season as well? Oh, yeah, we're going to be doing it a bunch. Uh, preseason, I think we're going to do, like, there's one that's going to be a mailbag where people can write in their questions for the beat writers of whatever team they want, uh, and we'll pick the best ones for each team and send them to them. Um, and then I think we're going to do another one, like, in the middle of March. It's going to be, like, you know, here are three burning questions that we have from spring training. Uh, you know, how is this going to work out? How's that going to work out? What's your insight on this? Stuff like that. That one worked out really well last year. That was really cool. That actually brought us, um, oh, man, I'm not going to remember who it was, but someone gave us, oh, it was uh, Zach Buchanan. And everyone thought that um, Archie Bradley was going to be the closer in Arizona. And one of the questions we asked is, who's going to be the closer for your team? And he's like, I think it's going to be Greg Holland. And if you remember, Greg Holland started off the year as the yeah. closer. I think he got, you know, he was great. He was one of the uh, great for free pick last year for a few months. Mm-hmm. It was great till so, he wasn't. And now he's back yeah. with Kansas City. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It all comes full circle. Dude, we have to finish. We can actually finish. We can do it. We can get to the end of the rundown. You think we should? We got to. We're right here. All We're right. never here. Yeah, we've never done this before. <laughs> well, not, I, don't think, I don't even not, know. <laughs> not a long time. Uh, so here it is. Um, Grant Brisby. In uh, a couple articles, you know, we go through the entire site, just read everything in baseball so we can kind of, you know, whittle it down and throw nuggets out. We actually, we're going to do a column kind of regularly about that, almost like kind of Roto World does, Roto Wire does, but uh, for athletic writers. Um, So uh, Darren Ruff and Drew Smiley were a couple guys that Grant Brisby, who's one of our Giants writers, wrote about. And he made a couple good points. Uh, Darren Ruff spent three years in Korea, hammered the ball. And he's, uh, he's like, you know, I know, like, you know, this Korea, I know guys have come over and they haven't translated those stats right. 
Um, but Darren Ruff was kind of on his way up in the Phillies system for a little while, and there was that log jam at first base, and he couldn't really play the outfield. Um, so he went to Korea, and he was awesome. And then he brings up Drew Smiley, and he's like, look, Drew Smiley had his issues, but last year, you know, he was hurt. And by the end of last year, and I, I pulled the September numbers. This wasn't from Grant. 365 ERA, 30 strikeouts in 24 and two-thirds innings, mm-hmm. a 1.26 whip. Um, but he did face, it was Washington, Atlanta, the Mets, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, who, if I remember correctly, maybe all but Cleveland were very good offensive teams, especially at the end of the year um, in September. You know, Washington went on that streak. Atlanta's always good. Cincinnati had some bats. The Mets, I think, were still making that push in the middle of September yeah, where there was, there's a little bit of hope. Cleveland, I don't know about, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. is Darren Ruff has Darren Ruff signed anywhere, or is he like looking for? Oh, a he's like Giants. Oh, oh, yeah. That's why. That's why Grant brought it up. These two guys are on the Giants, and it goes back to. Oh, got it. Okay. You, know, you look at the Giants. You look at the Marlins. We've been trying to get to Baltimore for the last five weeks on this show, but there are some gems on these terrible teams. And what's interesting about those gems is that they pretty much have a stranglehold on the job. It's not like this team that's awesome and there's a guy pushing. You know, there's not a Greg Bird pushing Ronald Guzman if he sucks because his team's in contention. This is a team where, you know, Darren Ruff could just show up and be like, I'm your starting outfielder now and hold on to that job the whole year. Okay, so I want to say a couple of things. Darren Ruff could have an Eric Thames beginning of the season and then the majors will figure him out again and then he'll struggle. So, like, he could bust out and have, like, he, he did have that power. In 2012 in AA, he had 38 home runs. He was a top not a top 100. I think it was like low in the top 100, but he was certainly notable. The one that really interests me a lot is Drew Smiley. I go back to, I think it was 2017 when he pitched for the USA in the WBC and he won, he helped win the uh, the championship. He was throwing 97 from the left side. And I was like, whoa, there's that Drew Smiley, a, a former top 20 prospect in baseball. Then <laughs> right after that, he gets TJ surgeries because he threw his arm out because he didn't do a good enough warm up through, you know, and just came out throwing 97 in the biggest game he ever pitched in his life. But I still, I still have high hopes for Drew Smiley. I own him on two of my dynasty teams, and I'm trying to figure out a way. Luckily, I can wait through spring training to make a decision on Smiley, Homer Bailey, guys like that, um, because they're all in that same. And Danny Duffy, like those three, I'll keep one of them, and I'll see which one. But I have high hopes for Smiley. I really do. It's like a little bit of a new pitch mix for Smiley. The cutter usage was up, and I think the curveball was the new thing that he added. Um, so I'm definitely interested. I think he's at least good enough to be a home streamer in deeper leagues. Uh, he's long gone in the draft and a hold that I'm doing right now. I think we just crossed over like round 40. Uh, but I think in 15-team in mixed leagues, if he's not drafted, which might be justifiable, he's one of those guys, the first time he hits a two-start week or he gets a nice home matchup, he's going to get picked up, and he's going to be really tempting to hold on to just because you might find that you want him in your lineup more often than not with that home park. Let me ask you guys this question. You're in a 50, and this is a 50-round league, NFBC draft, where someone's taking all four hours on the clock. Like, is Darren Ruff someone like, let me put it this way. I got yelled at by Chris Vaccaro, my partner. He does the first 30 rounds. I do the last 20. And it's like the perfect partnership ever because he obsesses over that group. And I love the long shots. I took Felix Hernandez with my 48th round pick. Great. Should should I have taken Drew Smiley? Yes. Yeah, I think if Smiley was there. Smiley's role is a little clearer, and I think at this point, sadly, I think I trust Smiley's stuff just a little bit more than I trust Hernandez's. So I mean, but if if Smiley's still there in the 48th round, I don't know what everyone's doing. I mean, I he's, think he would be. I don't think he's on any radars. 
well, he should be, for under-the-radar listeners, if Drew Smiley's there in the 35th round, I'm taking him. I'm going to check real quick. Uh, sorry, I don't have ADP? a topic because we're, we're, yeah, we're out of topics right now. But I was going <laughs> to usually be, all right, talk about number seven. Give me some of them on the Orioles. Um, I was going <laughs> to no. look up the draft and just see where uh, if Smiley was still available, if he went at all. Well, here's, here's a, a question about the Giants outfield. A lot of lefties with Dickerson, uh, Mike Yastrzemski, and Steven Duggar lined up to start. But then there's Jalen Davis, who's a righty, and Darren Ruff, who's also a righty. Uh, they just added Wilmer Flores, so that probably covers first base when Brandon Bell gets a day off. But between Davis and Ruff, if you're going to throw one dart on one of those two guys, do you take the chance on the guy that tore it up in the KBO, or do you take the chance on the younger guy that's been tearing it up in the minors? If it's a dynasty league, I'm taking Jalen Davis. If it's the 50, I'm taking Darren Ruff. Okay, so you're splitting based on format. What do you think, Nando? You get one one shot. Let's just let's just say in the the draft and hold or NL only sort of format. Uh, sorry, Smiley won the thirty sixth, and I'd go with yeah. Darren Ruff. I kind of like the idea of him like claiming some kind of four hundred and fifty at bat spot for the Giants. I think it could happen, man. Like that's a team that's just kind of like whatever. He's got he's the power to get it out of that ballpark too. He's got the he's you know, got that, the power. That, that Giants GM came from the Oakland. Uh, Farhan Zahidi came from the Oakland system where these dudes pop up left and right. Go ahead, DVR. How do you say it? I, I think that's fine. <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I, thought, I caught a short. I, I, hearing... I didn't even have anything going on. I was looking at something else with Jalen Davis. I mean, he had 35 home runs across uh, three teams, two uh, at AAA, of course, because he was traded from the Twins to the Giants. But 30, 35 homers, 10 steals last year, has swing and miss. Not going to pretend like he's out there with a 15% K rate. He's right around 25%. But he was at least 47% better than league average at every every stop last year between the Twins AA affiliate and then the Twins and Giants AAA affiliates. Well, I'll tell you this. I, when I'm doing my cutdowns in the Dynasty League, because you can keep him for 350 at-bats, Jalen Davis will stay based on those that uh, little stat that you just shared with us, my friend. So Look think- at that. See, we're all real friends here, and we respect each other. People we helping people. Other. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on that note, I think we should wrap it up. Um, full disclosure, the pizzas are here now. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go. Um, <laughs> thank you all for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoy this. We hope this is helpful. As Ian said, we're all business now, so we're not taking too many tangents anymore on the show uh, to our longtime listeners. Uh, I hope you enjoy that. I don't know. I think we could still trick Ian into going on tangents, but we'll hey, see. Man. I, think I, anyway. I, think I, I think I went on my share already today, but welcome to all of our new listeners uh, at iTunes. Uh, please send us your questions. Uh, it is tainted meat is our secret word of the week. One word, hashtag tainted meat, and, uh, and tell your friends because uh, we, we have a lot of fun on the show. It's always uh, it's a real blast. For the man who considers this business, Ian Kahn. My friends, see you next week. For the man who considers this his second favorite podcast, Derek Van River. Have a great week, everybody. I'm Donald Afino. We'll see you later. Bye. See ya.